0: Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy.
1: Well, I think for if you compare the breaking down of these movements versus the, hey, let's just adopt this position and over time, hopefully it'll get better. I think breaking down the movements is going to get you there much faster and safer because you're not when you're doing that, just trying to adopt a front split or a middle split, whatever, you're probably going to want to force it, force it, force it. And chances are. Eventually, your body's going to be like, hey, dude, screw you. But if you're using regressions, the appropriate regressions, and you're slowly building up, building up, that's going to help your body and your, ner- your, your muscles, all the connective tissue, your nervous system say, okay, we're safe here. We've got this. And you're just going to be more comfortable with the overall process. John Lindsay is a movement
0: coach and fitness director who specializes in helping people move better. And in this podcast, we discussed, one, how to train in a way where we avoid injury and maximize strength and mobility. You should see this dude splits absolutely crazy. He's good. And we also discussed the mental and physiological benefits of integrating hot and cold therapy. Stay tuned to the end to hear John's tip on how to make more time for the things that we love. (music) John, my friend, welcome to the conversation. Uh, Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. I want to start before we hop in. Uh, What's your intention for this conversation?
1: Uh, Get to know you. Just have a good conversation. Um, It's always nice to chat with someone I know I have multiple things in common with. So uh, just, just an enjoyable conversation.
0: Dope. And you actually I want to go ahead and dive right into you said that things that we have in common. We're going to talk about a number of things, including movement and because there is common interest I found in uh like cold therapy, hot therapy, and things like that. Those are things that uh, I don't get to talk to as many people about because I don't as when we are in those containers, it seems like, oh, like, you know, this is what people do, but a lot of people aren't in actually inside of those conversations. So that would be fun to dive into. But I wanna first start by asking you what is what is your medicine? What is the thing you you feel you're here to serve?
1: Um I guess I would say it's to teach people how to move better, but maybe it's a little more broader than that and maybe it's just teach people how to how to live better and cuz I think I'm I'm starting to get into some of the more mental stuff. You mentioned the cold plunge thing, so I think it's I started as I wanted to teach people how to move better and now I think I'm slowly getting into just an overall, hey, how do we how do we optimize health overall is kind of what I'm going for now. Okay. So like a
0: total optimization, holistic optimization
1: around health. Yes.
0: Okay. So let's, let's trace it back a little bit. So you, I'm assuming started off with focusing on how do we move better? Why did that become important to you?
1: Um, So I I'm 33 now when I was like, probably 23 or 24 in grad school doing a master's of science in sports medicine and also personal training people on the side, you know, I just kind of had a wake up call where I was, I was like, man, I just suck at moving. Like I can't touch my toes. I can't squat past 90 degrees, even with a barbell on my back. I'd have like lingering back pain after a leg workout. And this whole time I was teaching people how to move better. And I was just like, I need to like figure out myself and fix what's wrong, from a physical standpoint myself. And you know, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of mobility work, and have really fallen in love with that and continue to just find techniques, to utilize things. And uh, I, I've seen how much it's helped me physically, and also just kind of, I guess, mentally too. just enjoy life better. And so I, I now I like I like sharing that with other people. Hmm. So it, it sounds like
0: it, it really started around. <laughs> the irony is that you were learning and teaching it, but then simultaneously, like behind closed doors, you were struggling in some way with the thing that you were teaching. So it became this like, all right, cool. It's time to go figure this out because how I'm living is I'm in, I'm in pain and I can't, I don't have the the mobility. We use the term not mobility, like the, the the range of motion that I, I, I feel as though I need to have in order to live an everyday life. And especially as you start to reach towards Further feats, if you will, or further along in the movement journey. Like if you know, take a look at your page, and you can see like you've you've done some incredible work inside of the conversation of mobility and helping people unlock mobility, amongst other things, which we'll dive into. Um, I'm wondering how do you so when we say movement, like helping people move better, bodily movement. What does that look like in reality? So for somebody who's listening, okay, what do we say when we say movement? Is it is it range of motion? Is it doing things uh, through ranges without pain? Is it being able to do an ass to grass squat with 400 pounds? Like how do you contextualize that when you're working with people?
1: I mean, it, it's definitely all of those things. I would say it's, all right, let me watch you move or maybe I'll take someone else and I'll say, all right, what are your long-term goals? They tell me the long-term goals. I say, okay, let me, see you do this, 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 and this, like a regressed version of whatever, okay, how do we go from where you are now to there? So you can really define mobility as it could be, I could be working with an athlete who's like, Hey, I, my hips are just really tight. I can tell when I'm sprinting, playing football, I'm trying to make cuts. I just don't feel like I have the ability to perform my best because my hips are tight okay, we're going to look at a lot of hip rotation stuff. We're not, there's no need to work on this person's middle split specifically. Um, but then I do get the people that are kind of more my path who are in that mid twenties to early thirties range. And they're like, Hey, I just, I want to try a new physical modality. This mobility, body weight movement stuff looks cool. I want to start working Mm -hmm. towards a back bridge towards a front split. And so it's, Okay, well, let's see how close you are to those things now, and and break down the movements and see where the where the right progressions for you are to jump into this type of practice. So it's uh, at its core, it's getting people's bodies to move better, but the starting point for everyone is is predicated on what they act, what their long term goal is.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sure, or what I'm assuming is that the. Sometimes it's a challenge for people to get that in order to get to where they're going they first have to be really good with where they're at, whether it's, I want to have a full front split, but where I'm at is I can barely do a half split. Like that's a real struggle for me, but it sounds like in what you were doing and facilitating what you're doing, facilitating it's, it's being able to, one is having an in-depth understanding of the anatomy, functional anatomy and, and how it is moving in space, but also how, do we reverse engineer your goal into bite-sized things that are accessible to your body where it's at in that moment?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, and for a lot of people, it's, it can be a rough realization of, damn, I thought I was way closer to that than I am, or it could be the realization <laughs> of, it could be the realization of like, let's take the athlete, for example. And I just take them through like a, I kind of like a good effort hip car. And they're like, Oh, Holy shit. That's what mobility work is. I was just, and cause Nine times out of 10, they've just kind of done that generic, like, I always call it the high school soccer warm up because that's what I'm familiar with, where you <laughs> just run through like 30 second holds of like trying to touch your toes, cross your legs, try to touch your toes, do the piriformis stretch, mm-hmm. like you just run through that, like that's most people's, I'd say that's like 95% of people's, like, that's what they think of when you think of, all right, here, we're going to do our stretching and mobility work. So um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that starting point is a wake up call, but those that are like like you said, okay with it and ready to dive in, it's, you're going to see a lot of progress early on if you, if you take it seriously. So once I think once you see a little bit of that progress, you're, you're kind of hooked. Um, I know that was the case with myself.
0: Okay. So it's like the art and science, right? The art is the, I can hit this beautiful middle pancake split or whatever it is, but the actual science is, yeah, it's more than just your standard. Let me just put myself into a into a frog position and fall forward and do that enough times. And one day I'll have the perfect split. It's like, no, there's, there's more to that, which I would imagine. That's why part of your work is, uh, you have, I think it you might do in tribe, but you have programs where you take a specific outcome. Let's just say the the front split. And I'm imagining that there's an actual breakdown of each and every step of that journey, because, I, there's, there's something that happens in our brain when we start to look at, oh, I want to achieve this goal. Like what can seem like this ethereal out there in the distance thing. If our brain doesn't feel as though it has the faculties resources or understanding of what it would take to have that actually occur, then it gives up before it even begins. Mm -hmm. And in a way you're giving people access to a pathway. It's like, Hey, look, I've already been through this journey. I've walked so many people through this journey. You can actually insert yourself and now you don't have to do all the guesswork on your own.
1: Yeah, totally. and, and, And that's the thing with a lot of these movements is it's, you need to, I think need to know that right pathway. It's not just, Hey, let me try to get a front. I want to get a front split. So three days a week, I'm going to try to do my best to get into a front split and hang out there for X number of minutes. And I'm just going to keep doing that until I get the front split. You honestly might get, if you were diligent about that, you might get there eventually, but you're more often than not probably going to tweak something along the ways. You're probably going to force a position you don't really have. So Every position I work on, we break down the movements into its individual parts. So for the front split, that front leg is in a, for the front split that people listening don't know, that's one leg stretched out in front, one leg is stretched out in the back. So the front leg is getting a gnarly hamstring stretch. And also that front hip flexor, hip flexor needs to be super strong in that shortened range. And then the back leg is at a max essentially a max hip flexor stretch. So I work on those two things by themselves. And anyone who's early on, you're not even going to do anything that really looks... You might do a long... You'll do a long lunge hold, which I guess kind of looks like a front split, but that's about as close to the aesthetics of a front split you're going to get for a little while of training. And I think for a lot of people, that's a wake-up call of, oh, man, my hip flexor was super tight. That was the limiting factor. Or my hamstring was super tight, or maybe it's both. Um, and when you break down the movements and you're able to attack individual pieces, by themselves rather than trying to globally attack the entire position you're going to make better progress cuz you can give that max effort to just the hamstring or just the hip flexor and then down the road when you go to put it back together that that the entire piece is going to be is going to be better better well served for that practice
0: yeah it sounds like you're breaking down into the individual components because likely there's a part that is imbalanced or not like it's like a weakness and it could literally be a a a muscular or structural weakness, but the weakness in that there's like 10 steps or there's like 10 main components of a front split. I'm not saying there is, but let's just say there's 10 that you might be really good at eight, nine and 10, but if four through six are super, super lacking, it's a necessity to go to work on those things, especially in addition to everything else. So to continue the improvements, but also I imagine there's also a conversation around longevity. It's like, how do we, (laughs) it's, it's not enough to just go and lift heavy ass weights or just throw yourself into deep ass splits. You, we really do have to come from a what is the long game and how is what I'm doing now? Actually, uh, how does it map towards the future? Am am I training in a way that's going to create injury? That's keeping me out of the game. That's not allowing me to actually move towards that thing. Or is the programming intelligently done in a way that allows us to insert ourselves and, and gradually grow. It sounds like your approach is not the quick pill, quick fix. It's let's take our time and we'll get there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think for if you compare the breaking down of these movements versus the, Hey, let's just adopt this position. And over time, hopefully it'll get better. I think breaking down the movements is going to get you there much faster and safer because you're not, when you're doing that, just trying to adopt a front split or a middle split, whatever, you're probably going to want to force it, force it, force it. And chances are eventually your body's going to be like, Hey dude, screw you. But if you're using regressions, the appropriate regressions and you're slowly building up, building up, that's going to help your body and your nerve, your, your muscles, all the connective tissue, your nervous system say, okay, we're safe here. We've got this. And you're just going to be more comfortable with the overall process. So I, I don't, I honestly don't think it's, I think it's, could be faster but also safer for sure okay
0: so does your in your process in your work is there anything that speaks to okay i i want to do a front split or i want to do a middle split but i'm already coming to you with some kind of injury or maladaptation and the reason why i bring this up is because uh, i personally observed your work i'm like damn that looks really good but i've focused on. I've been in injury recovery so like my my background was I was I got into like Olympic style weightlifting in high school did that through high school and, and had that whole background got into competitive cheerleading that led to acro yoga acrobatics etc and a lot of it during that time frame was heavy strength and power focus. but what ended up happening was uh I would say like maladaptations uh in the kind of like biomechanical functioning and thusly like having knee pain that doesn't really make sense or having shoulder pain from an injury or whatever it was, sometimes there's this mindset of, Hmm, like I want to do that thing, but probably the smart thing to do is to stop and focus on the recovery first because, Uh, there's like this whole adage about no pain, no gain. And I honestly think it's kind of a bullshit thing to apply, especially when it comes to a training mentality, because if you, you know, there's discomfort, but if you're actually pushing into pain, you probably speak to this even more, um, expertly than I can, that that's a point where your body's saying, Hey, homie, chill the fuck out. That's probably not a place we should push into.
1: Yeah, uh, totally. Um, with this sort of mobility training, when you are training for those, those, uh, kind of, uh, higher level positions, the middle split front split you're definitely going to get to a point where you're sensing stretches in your body that you're like, Holy shit, this might be dangerous, but hopefully you've progressed accordingly and your body's it's going to be used to it. Um, a big thing, a lot of people that work with me realize is a lot of this, this stuff, like we might do a front split day once a week. Like if you're even like an intermediate, like if you've trained front splits for probably three to four months, you probably started at twice a week, but then you're getting into just once a week. And the reason is, we're training so hard in that in that uh, session, and we're taxing muscles, we're taxing ligaments, we're taxing tendons, we're taxing hip capsules. Um, your body needs to recover, and that's a big way a lot of people get injured. Is they're like, uh, "Well, I feel okay three days later. I'm going to train again," and it's you need to work hard as shit within that one session, and then recover for six days. Um, And that was a big wake-up call I had, too. As I was starting to get more mobile, I was like, oh, well, let's keep pushing it. Like, I want to get these front splits, this middle split. And chances are, if you're training hard as shit and you're trying to do that more than you need to, you're going to, at the very least, you're just going to plateau. More often than not, you're going to strain something eventually. So, um, again, with with this type of mobility work, it's quality, quality, quality. Recover, recover, recover. It's a really good session and then recover recover even harder.
0: Okay, I wanna I wanna dig a little deeper into the going really hard for one day and then resting for six. That is contrary to most of what I've heard. I'm not saying it's wrong. You obviously have a reason for doing that. But what the question brings to my mind is, is how How do you know then if you've actually recovered? Because it sounds like you're saying if you go, I mean, I don't know what your regimen looks like in that one day, but it sounds like you're saying we went so hard this one day, you're going to need six days to recover. How does one develop that awareness? Or is that just something that you've learned through tons and tons
1: and tons of personal practice and helping clients? Um, I've learned it more so from having coaches that have programmed for me like that. What led me to getting personal coaches is plateauing is being like, why am I not? getting any further in this and and that was the biggest wake up call was I'm actually training too hard for some of these things. Um if your goal is just to generally move better and move well, you can by all means do lots of mobility work all day long, but when you are searching for those higher level positions, you, the session you do, you're going to have to work hard as shit or your body your body's just going to be sore. The stuff you work, you're just going to feel it for multiple days after the fact. Um if you have worked it long enough, not so much, like I don't get s- I still get pretty sore from a middle split session, but it's nothing like it was six months to a year ago. But its I think the people that are just starting to really, really get into it, their bodies are going to be sore where they're like, okay, I'm feeling my groin being sore in a way like you did a hard squat session, but specifically for your adductors, that sort of thing. And if you even try to jump into a session, that soreness is going to limit your uh, physical physical capacity in that session anyway. So I think a lot of people get it early on when they do do a session as they should. And then they try to think they can outsmart the program and say, Oh, well, let me do it in four days. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. They see it pretty quickly that, okay, no, I wasn't recovered enough. And honestly, the best sessions I have on this stuff is uh, usually about every eight weeks, I take a full week off of any of this stuff. And that week I jump back into it is always the best week I've had in eight weeks. Like it's always that jump of, um, but that comes with consistency. That comes with doing it for at least months and months and months to where you've made some good adaptations in your body. And when you do give your body that essentially two weeks of recovery in between a session, that's when you're really reaping reaping benefits.
0: Why do you suppose that is that taking off some longer period say a week or more why that would have a larger yield
1: well it's just like strength training like if you were training you said you did some uh like olympic weightlifting right like so if you were training super hard for a competition or just to hit a certain number let's say you did like a eight to twelve week really hard session And then you took a week off, not like when I say take a week off, I'm still being physically active. I'm still doing strength work. I'm still doing a little bit of aerobic work. So you take a week off week off of that Olympic lifting. You're still maybe you're doing some general strength stuff, some mobility work. I bet that week you jump back in, you feel fresh as fuck and you're probably hitting some ideal numbers. Would you agree with that?
0: I wish I could tell you that I had the level of awareness that I do now to actually be (laughs) able to think back to my dude. Like, I didn't, when I was in high school, there wasn't really a weightlifting coach. It was just,
1: so you just went hard hard all the time.
0: Well, I went hard for sure, but I had to figure out what is, to the best of my ability, what is the best form for how to do a clean and jerk? What is the best form for how to do a proper front squat and, and benching, et cetera? Because if you looked, if you were to walk in that gym, like if you were to walk into that gym and see some of the people's form, you'd probably cringe. And this is like across the board in high schools alike oh, when yeah, you don't I have mean. somebody who comes from that background. There's, I'm sure you can imagine if you, if you had that background in high school. For me, I'm amazed that I didn't get more injured then until I learned the proper form. And then I pretty much became like the weightlifting coach for the high school team and ended up like coaching a bunch of people. And a couple of them even went to states because it was like – Everyone was wanting to like push, push, push harder, harder, harder. It's like, yes, after you've developed the fundamentals, after you've developed the form, after you've actually put in the groundwork to lay down a solid understanding of why we are working on the uh, same thing with the mobility. It's, it's breaking down each individual point of the power clean, not doing the power clean incessantly and until you – can barely walk and and your joints are screaming at you because oh we just more reps that's how it works right it, it definitely i didn't have that awareness then but i can one time say that and this is probably against what maybe would be normal i took off an entire summer did not train and was stuck for the longest time at like a clean and jerk of 155 i think that that was like my sophomore year, like my sophomore year going into my junior year and I couldn't get past 155. And I didn't touch a single weight and I came back and I, would, I saw 185 on the bar. I was like, I know I can't do that, but like, I want to see like what it feels like. And I cleaned it and I jerked it. Right. And it was very, very weird. I was like, oh, okay, that's funky. I don't know where that came from. But then I ended up going and learning the form, et cetera. But gosh, I wish I could say that I had that awareness to what you're asking now to be able to, to know like, oh, yeah, that was because I took a week off or whatever it was.
1: I mean I wish I when I was in high school I wish I did too. I got into working out when I was probably like 15 or 16 and it was okay. like oh you go hard all the time like you why would you ever take a rest day? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I I'm with you. I wish I had that awareness. And, but honestly if somebody would have told me an educated person would have come to me and told me I'd have been like Psh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like there's no way I would have had the as you're putting on all comp- the caddies. I wouldn't be able to comprehend that as fact, even if like it was some world renowned strength coach being like, yeah, you should rest uh, every now and then take a week off. You'll feel really great. I'd be like, yeah, but I'll lose all my gains. So there's no way I'm doing that. And I, and people think that with mobility oh, work too. It's uh it's, and I still do to some extent, like it's still very tough for me to take a rest week. I almost have to plan it around like a vacation or a week. I'm really, really busy. Um, or if I know I'm going to have to have a rest week, I'm like, all right, let me think of some task I can do uh, for my business side. Like, make sure I'm like busy with shit to do. That way, I can not justify in my mind that oh, I need to keep training. So, it's some. I think everyone who likes being physically active struggles with that. But if you want to make progress on this mobility stuff, that is a key component of it.
0: Okay, intentional rest in between activity. Yeah. Okay. And circling back, I, I think I, I failed to, to bring bring this forward. So would you say that your programming – so if I'm coming to you and saying, hey, I want to do a front split, but I already have injuries, is your programming able to support people who are already coming with some kind of preexisting injury or something of that nature? Or is there like, yeah, probably go to PT or something else? Like what is your, what is your current – It would, it would
1: definitely that? just depend on the severity of the injury. Um, lots of people – I'd say nine times out of 10, when I do any sort of personalized work with someone and they fill in the question of what essentially that, what nagging injuries do you have? What's your injury history? Usually nine times out of 10, somebody has something that's like, oh my knee like just feels funky every now and then, or, well, I strained my hamstring three months ago, but it's feeling okay. Now it's still a little tight. Like stuff like that is very, very common. And it's, that that's all the assessment kind of dictates where we're going to be at. Like, if they say I strained my hamstring a couple months ago, it's starting to feel good now, but it's still tight, and they want to work on a front split. Well, they're going to need to be stretching their front split. And if they do something like a single leg good morning, and they say, "Hey, that just didn't feel good," that might be that might uh, that might have me suggest to them to go to PT, or we might say, "Okay, uh, we're going to do a lot of regress stuff until that feels better," because that's kind of an essential drill to kind of dive into the front split stuff so um, it's rare anyone works with me where they have something that's a huge roadblock but uh it, it does happen from time to time and we we work around it
0: okay and i think that's kind of the key there it's like being able to work around i uh, i was recently playing frisbee uh, a couple of weeks ago and i was like full stride and all of a sudden i just felt that that very familiar feeling
1: of a hamstring pulling I was like no
0: not right now
1: and then you talk then like, you talk okay. yourself out of it. You're like, that wasn't my hamstring. That must have been somebody
0: else. <laughs> is, that, is
1: that you, Jimmy? Is that <laughs> your hamstring that I'm feeling
0: right now? That sucks. Yeah, man. And and the thing is, is I definitely tried to talk myself out of it. I was like, it's not that bad. And I kept like walking on it. My buddy is um he's he's a he's a PTA, but also has like a background I don't know if you've like functional patterns, but his whole thing is like functional biomechanics and specifically focuses on pain, injury, recovery, that type of thing. And he was there when it happened. I was like, oh I pulled it. He's like, bro, you should, you should, you should take a take a breather. You should stop. And I was just like, no, no, I'm good. And tried like walking around on point. it.
1: <laughs> I
0: tried to I tried to just get a little bit more. And uh then I realized that it was like, okay, the answer is to stop. And we ended up doing that. But gosh, it is really tough. Like the the original thing that you said about uh, Taking, taking a rest, like in that moment, the hard thing to do was like stop and take a rest because totally. you just want to keep playing or you want to keep growing. But sometimes the best way to grow
1: is to stop. First. No doubt. Yeah. I I strained my chest bench pressing one time, like fairly bad. And in my mind, I was like, I, at the time I finished the workout, like I stopped bench pressing, but I did, <laughs> which was so stupid. It was nothing chest dominant after Ooh. that, but it was just kind of a generic pushing uh, session, And I finished the session afterwards. Like it was absolutely so silly. So silly.
0: Uh, it's, gosh, it's like, so then you just got to go through and make all the mistakes to realize that you don't want to make those mistakes anymore. Yeah. And to that younger version, you and the coach comes in, he's got all the expertise about how
1: you should lift. You're like, <sighs> yeah, but I'm just not ready to hear that yet. I still really got to like go and get my ego checked for my own personal experience. Yeah. Right. I need to have my, yeah, exactly. I need to have my own problems and see how this really works. Yep. Yep. So how
0: do you feel as though uh, starting to bring forward the, so we're talking specifically about movement and, and injuries and pain and mobility. How do you think that this now kind of going a little bit more macro applies holistically to Humans, if we are going to start taking on the movement journey, to to make a fun little reference there, if we're going to start you know, actually going on our own movement journey, how how do you find that the movement journey is holistically connected to our our total well being?
1: I mean. I think we're obviously like physical creatures and so we need to move around. We need to move through space. And if you're making a body that moves well, you're going to be able to move for longer. You're going to be able to move better. You're going to be able to, I mean, do more cool physical stuff, which I think just makes life more enjoyable. Like, I mean, being physically active is my favorite thing to do. I think, um, for human beings, that's probably throughout history is probably the case is doing stuff where you're physically active is the coolest thing, the most enjoyable, the most endorphin rush thing. And when your body mm-hmm. moves well, you've prioritized joint mobility, all that good stuff. Like you just enjoy life better. Um, I mean, I, I, I know I do.
0: Mm-hmm. And you uh, so earlier on, you had mentioned that it, it started probably primarily focused on movement. And then you realize that there was this more overarching holistic approach to the mental space. And I and I'm not sure what did you mean like mental health, mental well being, mental wellness, like that type of conversation? Or what did you mean when you said mental?
1: Um, I guess, well, what I meant by that was I forgot how you worded the question, but I was kinda cause I guess most people would see me on Instagram and the stuff I post on there. I was just kind of posting I was just kind of discussing what I what I share on there is I'm starting to get into more not just hey here's a drill to help with ankle dorsiflexion. Um I like talking about stuff like the ice barrel, on stories I like talking about stuff about sleep. So it, I'm in in general I'm just very interested in how do I optimize my body and mind to be awesome for in a holistic way in a healthy way for the rest of my life. So, and I, and I like sharing those things. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's this weird thing when it comes to social media that, you know, you have to like kind of at at least you you've done well in the sense that you've actually cultivated a, a really strong community of people who, clearly want to move better. I'd imagine if, if somebody follows you, it's because they want to move better, but overall they want to life better. And you're a living example of that. Like just paying attention to your page outside of when you're posting how to do ankle uh, you know, ankle dorsal flexion better. There's also like seeing you posting things about handstands and and the, the bouncing between the ice barrel, doing ice baths and like hopping in the sauna. It's you and your partner cooking up some bomb ass food. There is this... You, you're you're practicing what I, I don't even know if you're like they quote preaching it but you're you're practicing it and you're being a living embodiment example of it because it's one thing for someone to passively look at your shit and like double tap and comment that's really cool man I wish me too but when they actually see you walking the path it's almost like planting a seed that beckons forth like hey what if I were to maybe try cooking a nice meal for myself or what if I were to try doing an ice bath you're, you're making massive impact and encouraging people to take on the types of behaviors that get them more invested in themselves. And I'm curious, uh, how do I want to word that? Do you see that the movement journey itself becomes that more like that page becomes more holistic or do you keep it think, focused on movement in your feed and then you'll continue to, to speak more broadly in your stories like how does how does that lay out for you
1: yeah on my on the physical like feed posts, i, I definitely try to be more mobility front splits back bridge that's kind of stuff oriented but that's just the main reason is because that's what i coach people that's my main form of income is through okay. that sort of programming but on you know, I like posting on my stories and stuff, so I am, what how you just said, showing that I guess I'm relatable and, hey, I've got these other aspects of, of life that I try to live in a holistic way, and I'm cognizant of what I put in my body. I'm cognizant of my mental state. I take care of that mental state through ice baths, through sauna, through quality sleep. Um, so I like sharing that stuff, too, where I, I think it does resonate well with people and um, and I know it's motivated quite a few people to whether they have tried any sort of mobility drill I've shown, maybe they've been inspired to start taking cold showers and that's helped them a lot. I've gotten quite a few messages saying that, um, or maybe they've, I've inspired them to eat a little bit healthier or try some new type of diet that's beneficial for them. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm living life and I'm just sharing it. So, uh, I'd say 98% of the stuff I post is, Stuff I would be doing anyways. Um, yeah, I just happen to know it'd be beneficial to post it on Instagram as well.
0: Yeah, that's the difference I would say between people who are like putting shit out for the sake of let me get a like and, and get attention versus you. You're like, this is just what I live and what I do. Let me share it with you how you can maybe do it a little bit better. Yeah, totally. It's like don't just preach a good word; live a good word. So I want to. Pivot now to this uh, to the holistic conversation, and specifically coming to ice baths. That's actually I, I followed you before ice baths and ice barrel, and was checking out your stuff. Like this guy's crushing it. And then how I would say, kind of how this came to be, this conversation was you partnered with this company called Ice Barrel, who creates these like I'm I'm just gonna what I'm gonna call like it is this like premium big ass barrel of plastic. It's like a premium plastic, yes. a big premium plastic barrel. And you were doing a giveaway and you have some, I'm, I th- you probably have, I'm guessing like at least a couple thousand comments on a post that you make. And I, I bring up that point because when you were doing the giveaway, it's like, Hey, tag so many people or whatever. And like, someone's going to be a selected lucky winner. And I decided, well, fuck it. Like, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Like I'm getting into cold therapy. We're starting to do events and stuff. Like, or I've been doing cold therapy and we're going to start doing events. Like, let's try this out. And by the grace of the gods and by your choice, I ended up being selected for that, and it. And also, big
1: thank you to you. Yes, uh, sir. Say that
0: again. You, uh, you and I, Sparrow, created that. Yeah,
1: well, like I said offline, you clearly use it and enjoy it, and we. I mean, we couldn't be more pumped to give it to somebody who's not only using it and enjoying it, but also sharing it with others. So.
0: Yeah, it's been a it's been a real blessing to the community. You, we have people asking about it, but it's 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 weird. It's like the ice barrel has like this weird little calling card to it. it. It gets people curious about like what the whole thing is like getting in this massive black barrel, and that ultimately, you know, winning that led to us being able to facilitate more experiences, and then now here we are. And I'm curious from your vantage point. I've I've spoken a lot on ice baths and the benefits of cold therapy. Where did your journey start with cold therapy and why do you believe it's important?
1: It started, I wish I could remember. I either read it in a book or listened to it on a podcast, like probably about the same time I started getting into mobility work. Like, I think around that was was like eight ish years ago, eight or nine. And like podcasts, fitness podcasts were slowly starting to become a thing. Somebody mentioned it somewhere and I was like, oh, I could try that. Like, they said, I think the big selling point for me was like do it in the morning if you got a busy morning it's kind of like you've boosted your willpower you've already had a win you've overcome something and i was like oh i'll give that a shot as a challenge and immediately i started. i liked it right away like it woke me up it clearly boosted my i just feel a little boost like i feel like my willpower got enhanced or leveled up a little bit mm-hmm. so got stuck on it there um and you know as you start to expose yourself to cold you you adapt to a certain level, it becomes less of a stimulus. You've got to up that stimulus, up that stimulus, and uh, ultimately started doing ice baths in my, my now wife at the time, girlfriend, our apartment. We would just fill the uh, – we were lucky enough to – our landlord had an ice machine in the back, so we could actually just fill up a bathtub with ice, fill it up. And the first time we ever filled it up is I – filled it up completely with ice. So to the top ice and then slowly trickled in water. So it was like Damn. blue. Like this was on, I lasted 30 seconds and had to take five came out for five minutes. I wish I had a thermometer. Cause it was probably, I mean, it was 35 degrees probably. So I started, I jumped in a little too hard, but uh, you know, we kept doing that and you just, I mean, you've done cold exposure. You, I think right away feel that, I don't know if it's an endorphin rush, but that boost of, I I feel like I get a boost of willpower. I feel like anything that has kind of, even at the lowest level, gotten me down throughout the day that day, I'm like, oh, fuck that shit. Like I'm, I got this, like it's, it's wild. And I forget that all the time. Like I, like I'm going to get in after we get off this and, you know, I'm going to get out and be like, by no means that I have a bad day at all today, but there was something i have something to do later that i'm kind of like oh, i don't want to do that but by the time i get out of that i am be like let's go knock this out real quick like it's and i forget that i get that stimulus like it's really strange how uh it always works i guess
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm gonna real quick i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna move inside because it's starting to rain i don't know if you can hear that rain hitting the roof but uh oh that's bit. it
0: sounds like hail yeah. Speaking of things that we can connect on, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole now. I know you have a standing desk. I'm currently at a standing desk. I know that's one of the things I've seen in your stories is you have a standing desk and you like wear your toe
1: spacers, like this whole thing. That's (laughs) at my work too. I had a maintenance guys six years ago, just take my desktop, the desk I inherited in that office. They just Mm -hmm. took the desktop off, put like a piece of wood on it and just bolted it to the wall. So damn, yeah, and it's, it's held up nicely
0: said and and then there's 2022 just press a little do you have like the hydraulic one or
1: is like one of those like you press a thing and like it lifts up lifts down no that at at work i have what i just said that thing bolted to the wall and then what i was just in in the back was just our coffee table on our porch and then a an exercise wooden block on top of that computer on top of that and now i'm at our just kitchen island (laughs) whatever works however i can stand desk everywhere
0: you can always make one. I've seen people use, uh, um, uh, we use like to, to iron clothes on, like one of those little
1: things people set up and stand there. Oh, yeah. What is that called? Why can't we think of a ironing board? I don't know. Ironing board. Irony board. Yeah. It's
0: like, but the you, I think you iron it's stuff on. It's board You <laughs> iron on it. What is that? Yeah. It's board shaped. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so circling back to the to cold therapy. So I'm with you on the the physiological benefit of having done the thing. That afterwards, it feels like you can conquer the world. Which you know, if we if we actually dive a little bit deeper, the, they'll talk to you about like the, the baseline increase in dopamine, the added norepinephrine, noradrenaline such that you're increasing energy, alertness, focus, boosting overall mood and well being. But there's there's something about when you go in, and you hit that immediate. Uh, like mammalian dive reflex, fight or flight, or at least maybe you've moved beyond that at this point. I know that I still uh, will. It's not as much as it was the, the first couple of times I did it, where you get in, you're like, <gasps> and you're like suffoc- you know, kind of suffocating and like gasping for air. Like you learn how to regulate yourself in that hormetic stressor, but it's pretty powerful because you train your your mind and your body to be able to sit in an uncomfortable situation, breathe into it. And then once you leave there, it's like, okay, well, how does – me conquering the cold in this actual moment where i'm in the ice how does that apply to my life afterwards and here you are you've risen out and you've like been christened by the cold and now it's like oh that those emails that email i had to send out later or that programming i was gonna do later is actually not all that bad because i came out the other end and proved to myself that i can do hard shit
1: yeah totally it's uh and i think you i still get that stimulus you just mentioned where i get in i'm like fuck it's cold uh and i don't i don't know if that ever goes away and i think it's Like right now it's, we're both in the Southeast, it's warmer now. So I honestly, Mm -hmm. I don't need the ice barrel to be as cold as in the winter. I think when all day long I'm in like 75 to 90 degree weather. And then I go into 48, 50 degree weather. That feels just as shocking as going in the winter, going from like 50 degree weather to 38 degree weather. Um, So I, I get it all year long, even though in the summer, I'm getting in a slightly warmer temperature. Like it's still like, Oh shit, this is cold. And you know, if for some reason it isn't cold, I will just go underwater. Like I will, I'll kind of force myself to get to that point where I'm like, Oh shit. Like it's, I've got this, I've created this wall now let's get over it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of things that I, found like new little things i found from listening to dr andrew huberman who's talked pretty extensively about the benefits of cold therapy and one thing that he talks about is how when there's like there's levels to this shit right it's like the first time you get into your plunge let's just say you're at 50 degrees or whatever it is you get in and your main thing is can i get through this and then after you do it enough times, is yeah, I've done this before. I know I can do this, but how do I continue to up the ante? Is it do I stay in longer? Do I bring the temperature down? Do I stay underwater a little bit longer? One thing that he spoke to, I thought was really cool, was this idea about how when we when we sit still, we develop a thermal layer. Yeah, it, it's like this this little extra layer. So if you like want to increase intensity, it's just like spin around in a circle and like do that for a little bit, and
1: you'll find out really quickly that it's still really challenging. Oh yeah, I always fuck with my wife because she'll stay perfectly still, and I'll just go in there with a finger and like circle around her. <laughs> dunna, dunna, exactly. Yes. And even even like she, if her back is like slightly out of the water, just a little splash and it's like, you, you know, the feeling, like you've gotten everything else is warmed up for a minute. You're like, okay, I kind of got this. Oh, there's a bear spot there. Let's, uh, let's splash some water on that. And it's, you start right back over.
0: Yeah. I have the, the types of friends where, Uh, will be in like my whole thing is I always try to first come to peace, like sit with myself, eyes closed and, and get to a peaceful state before I decide to open or if I decide to like, you know, be more playful or if it is just like be be still be silent, depending on like what I think my intuition is kind of guiding me towards. But I have the types of friends who. I've, I'm like, okay, I've gotten to peace. And then they're just cracking jokes and, and like shaking or doing anything they can to disrupt that piece Like, Hey guys, I'm trying to get my Zen on right now, but you're really, you're really messing <laughs> with me. trying to s- splash water on my back.
1: Yeah. It's uh, Hey, wh- whatever works for everybody. Yep.
0: Yep. So cold therapy, ice barrels, but now something that I, I saw that you started playing with and I am super curious about is not only do you have a an ice barrel in your like dojo of a backyard, but you have this really kick-ass, also kind of barrel-looking shaped sauna.
1: Yes. It's uh we added that I think in November, maybe late October, and it's unbelievable. Okay. So what and in first inspired you to get to
0: that point. like I'm assuming you did some kind of research or you listened to a podcast or whatever it was. but like what got you to that point? And I want to talk uh, more in depth about the 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 bouncing between both
1: of them i've I've always been a huge fan of saunas. i've I've used saunas in gyms for like well over ten years, like, And back then it was just like, yeah, it's good for post workout to like loosen up or burn more calories. I just enjoyed. (laughs) I enjoyed. I just enjoyed the way I felt, and I think it's it's very similar to the ice in the sense that you get to a point, it feels good, and it's kind of different than the ice barrel, where the ice barrel is hard in the beginning and slowly gets easier. The sauna is easy in the beginning, but I mean, we. I've always pushed it to that point where I'm like, fuck, I'm like baking in here. I need to get out. And then I try mm-hmm. to push it like 10 breaths further or something like that. And it's it's a very similar feeling when you get out of the ice barrel. And I was describing, feel a little euphoric. I feel like my willpower has been upped a little bit. Very similar from the sauna. And the I know people are starting to touch on the research. I know Andrew Huberman, Andrew Huberman, Rhonda Patrick are starting to. I don't even know if they're referencing studies or they're just theorizing themselves, but saying how the contrast is is ben- is beneficial. Um, I was doing it at a gym. I would take the showers there. It got pretty cold. So I would take a cold shower there, go into the sauna, go back into the cold shower till I just knocked all the heat off and physically got cold again. And I really just enjoyed that stimulus. It th- It felt like I was you know, flushing stuff through my, not only was I getting that kind of euphoric feeling, it just also felt that like stuff in my body was flowing. Like I just felt like something good was happening and I wanted to be able to do that multiple times a week. So I said, we got to get a sauna. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to start diving into that. I actually would say that you were probably one of the main inspirations, if not the the major inspiration that came through for me is like you know I I want to do more of that because cold therapy has been my focus I've been studying it more extensively and just been really curious about the kind of science and why behind it and whole protocol but uh, doing I would say hot therapy is something that I am less versed on. I'm starting to learn more about. Actually, um, Huber, uh, Andrew Huberman set out a newsletter today talking about deliberate heat therapy and and how it benefits. And I I'm not sure if they have peer reviewed literature out about the bouncing back in between, the bouncing back and forth between them. I do know there is something. Maybe it was Dave Astry who was speaking to it about how when you pair them conjunctively, going from a like a heavy heated state to a heavy cooling state you're obviously throwing your body into a sympathetic nervous system response and learning how to like breathe yourself into a more parasympathetic state but that you can actually kind of reset the nervous system and and come back to this baseline after you've kind of ping-ponged yourself back and forth and rattled yourself around between hot and cold uh i'm as it relates to the your protocol talk to me a little bit about your current standing like you have a sauna you have an ice if you were to say, hey, here's a protocol you can do. What does your protocol look like for hot, cold?
1: An, an ideal day, well, at least once a week um, on Sundays, we do three intervals of each. So we start with ice. Actually, now we're actually doing four of the ice, but uh, three, uh, three sessions in the ice. So we start in the ice for five minutes. Um, then we go sauna. Right now we're doing just about 15 minutes in the sauna. In the winter, we might do 20. Uh, back into the ice for another five, back into the sauna for 15, ice again, sauna again, and then we always end with cold. So we always, but that last session is usually just maybe 60 to 90 seconds, just enough to like totally knock the heat off, get to the point where you're actually cold again. So you're, you have to warm, your, your own body heat has to warm yourself up. You're not relying on that sauna. Um, and we also, we have a shower outside that's just essentially connected to the tap. And so we, right now it's not a cold shower, but it's definitely by no means a warm shower at all. So we finish 60 to 90 seconds in the cold that last session. Then we jump in the ice or jump in the uh, the, the, the shower. Um, that's our like once a week, Sunday, getting the week right. And that is just, you feel awesome after that. Um, during the week, we'll at least do once one session where we do two times ice, two times sauna, and then end in ice again. And then really just whenever we can, we'll at least do an ice session, one, one session in the barrel, one session in the sauna. It's really kind of just dependent on both of our schedules. Um, but at the very least, we sauna every every day. Um, and mm-hmm. I, ideally, we pair with the ice. Mm.
0: Is the sauna just something that's like always hot? Or you like press a button after a certain time, it heats itself to a certain temperature?
1: What's that like? Uh, we turn it on and it takes 10 to 12 minutes to kind of get to max heat. That's not Which that. is uh, like 200 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Okay. I think temperature-wise. Okay. Yeah, was, temperature wise, I was temperature-wise. I know that there's there's like a certain temperature where they say, kind of like with the cold where you start to see and experience more of the benefits. I think it was around that like 175 to 200. So that
1: makes sense. Yeah, it's probably a, it's probably a little lower than 200 because most like conventional saunas, you like ours – like you have a sensor inside a sauna that's supposed to kind of govern governor how hot it gets. Mm-hmm. And if the higher you put it, that's gonna register that heat quicker. And so like if you put it all the way at the top, it might be at two hundred, but it's gonna be way up here at two hundred. Like actually where your head is and lower, it's probably gonna be closer to one eighty and lower. So I put our sensor really low. Um, so like at the top, it's probably like 215 220, But we're feeling that 195 200 heat, which is uh, honestly, honestly, like if you go to a commercial gym, it's probably set at like 180. So like your actual body temperature is probably only like 160, um, which is hot as shit. But if you adapt to that, <laughs> it's probably shit. And most people can't lie. If you've never really done much heat exposure, you probably can't last more than five to five to eight minutes. But once, once you adapt to that, you, I think you adapt to the heat much faster than you adapt to the cold. So like I said, I was doing regular saunas probably two to five times a week for like 10 years. Um, so I had a pretty good adaptation to the heat.
0: Okay. I'll be curious to, to explore that more and probably even send you some messages of how that went. I I did my first intentional, uh, I'll say like hot therapy experience. I'm going to forget the name. Someone's going to like, listen, me like, You fool! How did you forget? It's like a tej maskal or Taj maskal or something maskal, and I can't think of what it's called. You don't know what I'm referring to by any chance, do you? Something is this a
1: sauna you're referring to, or is this a person? I tej maskal. So tej
0: or something maskal. Someone's gonna be like tej maskal. I cannot think of what it's called. It's um, it's like this ceremonial. I'm like looking it up right now. You can see me like looking. Must call heat ceremony it's it's like this ceremonious um tez tez te, i'm totally butchering it but essentially what it is temazcal i'm going to figure out after the fact and I'm gonna be like how did i mess that up but essentially it's an it's an intentional like heat ceremony and I believe it has its roots. It, it might be South American. It might be native. I have to actually like dive deep into it. Now I'm like talking about something I, I really don't know all that much about. But at least for me, I had a buddy. It was like towards the beginning of the new year. I said, "I'm this year I want to take on more adventure and try new stuff. And he said, cool. He said, do you want to come to like a Temescal with me? I was like, I don't know what that is. He's like, pretty much we're going to go and sit inside of this like little half dome thing get hot as balls. And I was like, uh, that sounds challenging. Let's go for it. And you get there <laughs> and I I guess they've been heating up these coals all day long. They have this massive fire and they've been they've been burning stuff over and getting these these uh, these coals hot all day long. And then there's if you can imagine this like half circle dome situation with this like hobbit style door like from Lord of the Rings that you like you open it, you crawl in on hands and knees. They close the door and it's pitch black. And in between these longer rounds of sitting in heat, because they, they take the coals that have been heating up all day, and they like scoop them in as if you're uh, like, like uh, the brick oven pizzas where they like scoop the pizzas in. It's like that. They like scoop yeah. in some hot coals and you're sitting in there and I don't know what temperature was. It was definitely Hot. It was super, super, super hot, but the durations were long. You did like – I think it was four rounds as the whole ceremony, but I got to two, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it had been like – I think it had been like an hour and a half, like the, the total duration. been in
1: there for an hour and a half?
0: Yeah. Holy and now,
1: shit.
0: Mind you, it's like there's – there's like the pre part, which you're sitting is pitch black. You're sitting in a circle. You can't see anything. You couldn't see your hand right in front of you sitting here. And these people are saying these different, like in, um, I like saying all these like very like wise spiritual type things. And then they're like, all right, scoop in the coals. And they, and they scoop in the coals and they close it. And you just sitting in that heat and it goes for however long it goes. Like, all right, the end of round one, they open up the door and you're like, Oh, Finally, you can breathe a little bit of, you know, cool air. It's like, all right, cool. Get your good air because uh, next moment here, we're going to close the door again. We're, we're going to scoop in some more coals and do it again. The, from the time that we crawled in there to the time that I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like literally laying down in puddles. Like y'all are, y'all are crazy. I'm going to have to build up towards this. Cause I'm like that ego part we talked about when you push yourself into injury, I was like pushing myself into everyone else is doing it guys and girls. Like how the fuck yeah. am I not going to be able to sit through four rounds? I was like, I got to get out of here. And I ended up ditching out, but Powerful experience. Got to be mindful of that like ego want to, to push forward, but I, I am curious overall to to get into more of that heat, that hot cold therapy, and and see how it feels because I've been predominantly in the in the cold world, and uh, I know that there's great benefit with like increasing, blood, uh, vasodilation and and blood flow, and overall how it can help with aiding yeah. your recovery when you implement that.
1: And I know you can mimic a lot of the sauna benefits from a really really hot shower. Like oh really. Um, especially if you have a smaller bathroom, like really getting a shower hot as fuck and spending as much time as you can there, really getting a steam like atmosphere. Um, and we would actually do that a lot before we had the sauna. When we just had the ice barrel, we would ice barrel, just go into our our shower, get it just hot as fuck. And like, it's a, to where it burns your skin. Do what? No, 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 not quite that bad. But, uh, Just before that, I guess. Okay. (laughs) And also, if if you have a small bathroom, you're steaming out that entire bathroom. So, um, like my wife and I, would, we'd take turns. So, she would be in and you're just hanging out in the bathroom where it does get like – you're getting that nice humid sensation and sweating profusely. So, um, if you don't have access to a sauna, that's a a decent second option. I don't have one immediately
0: offhand, but I guess I'll have to try that out and and see what the – the whole hot shower thing is about Well, you live in a big city you can find a sauna somewhere yeah i mean they have my gyms and stuff i mean like easily walking distance type thing isn't a thing but they have this thing called the rdb sports complex where i guess they have some kind of cold 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 water and they have a sauna my buddy did the back and forth and he was telling me he's like bro i thought i was about to have like a dmt trip like blast off out of here from going oh they have the cold and the heat yeah, they had it in one complex, I guess. Oh, nice. I'll have to go and check that out sometime and, and see uh, see what it's all about because I've heard good things. And you're affirming that this is what needs to happen, especially from like yeah. I'm imagining from a recovery standpoint.
1: You'll, you'll be addicted to the sensation though. So mm. Heard that. All right. So I want to
0: turn our attention towards books briefly. Uh, you okay. mentioned that you are into books and reading, and I'm curious, what types of books in particular most strike you?
1: Uh, right now, and for the past probably about three years, I love just fiction, good fiction. Like I absolutely love it. Like I, um, I probably on average read two books a week. Uh, and my favorite—I don't even know if I have a favorite genre. I guess my favorite genre would be like mystery. Um, but I like like CIA stuff, like. Uh, World War Two, historical fiction, um, anything like adventure, anything like that, like anything where there's like a, there's some sort of action going on that's engaging. I I get addicted to that stuff. So I, I usually try to read for I read in the sauna. So um, and I read laying in bed before I go to bed every night, I usually try to read for at least an hour every day, if, if not more. And if it's a good book, I'll for sure read more. But it's, that to me is, I, I say jokingly, but it's also serious. I think a good fiction novel is the best recovery because it puts me to sleep. It gets uh-huh. you in a, it helps you down regulate so fast. Like it's a, it's a great supplement to a, someone who, for, for someone who's super physically active.
0: Yeah. So long as you don't sweat your book into, into literal figments, I don't understand. How do you not like turn that book into a puddle of sweat?
1: You get a waterproof Kindle.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: genius. Yeah. genius.
0: I'm sure it says somewhere on there, viewer, not viewer discretion, product discretion, don't use this in heat. And you're like,
1: oh, what's the temperature?
0: It says it's a 200 something. You're doing the math. Like, eh, it's just five over. It's fine.
1: It'll uh, every now and then, like like an iPhone say, you're in danger of overheating this. But usually you can just like lower it in the sauna and it's fine. It's never yeah. never broken, so...
0: so here here you have it people if you want to have a a hack to increasing blood flow and recovery being able to wind your brain down and uh, test the limits of what your your
1: kindle can do you've heard it here first with uh with a friend john Lindsay. yeah and if you have any if you have any good book recommendations feel free to slide in my dms i'm always down for down for a good book you hear that people sliding his DMS.
0: I probably shouldn't slide in your DMS then because I don't really read fictional books. I'm a total nerd and like non-fictional stuff about the brain and the body. And I'm like just now seeing, I should probably make some room for stuff that's not brain
1: focused. Cause I spend so much time on brain focused stuff. I used to be very like, honestly, it took when COVID happened, I was like, Oh cause I used to read nothing. I had to be reading like something that was pure nonfiction or some sort of like uh, personal development type book or like a body mind type book. Yeah. I was like, I, if I'm going to waste time, I better be learning something. That's, but then yeah. when, COVID, when COVID hit, I reread the Harry Potter books and I was like, holy shit, this is fun. And I haven't read <laughs> anything. I haven't read anything serious since then. And I've got like a long list of books I want to read. So, um, I've tried a couple times to read like an interesting book and I'm like, I just want to go back to that, that crazy mystery book I'm reading instead. So I'll I'll go back at some point, but not probably not anytime soon. (laughs) I hope I get that bug a
0: little bit. Sometimes I'd be taking myself too seriously. I'm like, come on, man, put down the, the, the neuroscience book and pick up something a little more, I don't know, creative, ethereal other than this right now.
1: Yeah, well one. i used to read a lot of historical non-fiction and that's a good gateway into because that stuff is a lot of times it's world war ii stuff or it's like crazy survival stuff and it's although it is a fun story to read there's a lot of ton takeaways of people like overcoming shit like and you're like oh holy shit did they have it bad back then like i'm complaining about xx and x like these dudes are doing some wild stuff. So there's usually a lot of good takeaways in books like that too.
0: God, oh, why do why do bags of ice and gas have to be so expensive? And then we hear like, yeah, but what about this nonfiction book you just read about how awful things were in the past? Like, Oh, I guess, you know,
1: exactly. And if you, something, here's a nice book hack. So you got me started talking about books. A nice book hacks is if you go to your local library, if you live in the United States and you get a library card, you can then sign up for this app, Libby, where you can uh you can essentially borrow audiobooks and Kindle books or ebooks, just ebooks, online. And so you don't even ever have to go to the library. So I haven't paid I just found this out about three months ago and I haven't paid for a book in three months. So um if you're a Kindle user or you like audiobooks, go to your local library, get a library card, and sign up for Libby. Hold on. So like books that have been out for a while or like new books too everything um what? and it's cool cuz like uh a lot of times if it's a really new popular book there will be a hold on it but you just put a hold on it get something else and a couple weeks later they're like hey your hold's ready so it's uh it's it's awesome i'm kicking my someone told me about it like 3 years ago and i was like no way i kind of probably thought what you're thinking like oh that's just like old bullshit books but no it's new like A new book came out that I really want to read about a month ago, not even two weeks ago. And I put a hold on it just this morning. They said, hey, your hold's ready. So um, it's sweet. Okay. So
0: Kindle or some kind of electronic thing like that, a library card, and you're good
1: to go. And Libby. Yeah, you you could read on an iPad, but I would suggest getting the Kindle screen mimics a book page. And it's not like... Especially if you're going to read at night, like it's way less like, you know, that electronic-y screen. You don't want that. Like a Kindle really does look like a book page. Okay. I don't know if I've ever even looked
0: all that much at Kindles, but I always figured the whole, like, if it looks like a screen, it's probably
1: blue lighty and probably not as good for the eyes towards the evening as a as a book is. You but. can change it into a dark mode, and then it's also it's, – it's some sort of technology where it's ink inside it that, like – Every page you turn, it like changes. The ink gets manipulated to look like the next page, looks like the next page. So it's, it still has some light to it, but it's far less than like an, far, far less than an iPad or an iPhone.
0: That is very fascinating. You've inspired not only looking up Libby, but now apparently also doing, uh, going and doing some more hot therapy. Cool. <laughs> uh, oh crap, there was something else I wanted to bring up and it totally just like, decided it was going to go and and take a break somewhere else. I wonder if that's going to come back. We'll see. Um, I guess not. I guess we're going to let that one go. That totally sucks. All right. So uh, books, green stuff. Mm, Yeah, that's super lame. All right. Then we'll move on from that. So kind of starting to uh, bring this to a uh, gentle oh wait that's what it was ah this is what it was not remembered okay this is i've never actually asked anyone this before but it, it felt like a fun thing to do what is one weird thing about you that most people don't know
1: um probably well this kind of speaks to libby i'm like probably the most uh weirdly frugal person i ever meet like i get such a kick out of like i'll uh, go to like sometimes I'll go to a gas station just ways like I'll like and then I'll pay for gas and like scan my Kroger card and I'll be like oh you get 20% off a gallon a day and that just like makes my day
0: all right and following these brief messages following an internet crash not really apparently inclement weather had us going for a roll okay so uh weird thing so we were out on weird thing and one of your weird things you said that you uh you can be like frugal in certain moments which to me it just sounds like you're you're a smart purchaser like you know that (laughs) there there's great joy for you in being able to find a good deal which i can respect i don't know there's like i have like tons of friends who are way big into like thrifting and stuff like that like going and finding that like super cute piece of clothing that when you look at the original tag it was like a hundred dollars but now you're getting it for like five or six bucks I probably don't have that immediate gene instilled in me. But at the same time, I am somebody who likes to be mindful of where I'm I'm putting my money, but that there's like a, a real high for you and being able to find those deals. That is, that is a fun, weird thing. I don't know if I've heard that one before, but like, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, well, I'm more like, like a great example is we live right by where a Saturday farmer's market is. And I'll go there on a Saturday and like some grass-fed beef company will have $5 off a pound brisket. And I'll be like, hold on one second Sprints home. how much room do I have in my freezer like, we are we're gonna shape this in here perfectly and I'll be like <laughs> you could something crazy could happen the rest of the day and it wouldn't phase me at all. I'd be like, oh my god, I got 10 pounds of beef brisket for and say 50 bucks I'd just be. It's it, it's weird how it how much pleasure I get out of that I guess is, is what I think the weird thing is.
0: But um, I mean, like, isn't that what like, our weird things are about? Like if you, we can't have fun with ourselves a little bit about like our weird thing, what's the point? The fact that you would go so far as to run all the way home to check how much you can get to then come back and get that and store it. That's great. Like we, we need more Johns in our life. who are going to come by and make sure that we're finding a, a kick ass deal and, and stock up on meat when the when the meat is good and plentifully available.
1: Yes. And sign up for Libby.
0: And sign up for Libby and do ice baths and check him out on Instagram and, and do cold plunges and, and actually start working on moving better before I, I give it all away. Uh, where can people find you if they want to get connected to more of what you are doing, sharing, et cetera.
1: I would just on Instagram at the movement journey. Um, I offer various types of programming and if you just hop on Instagram, you'll get to kind of see what I'm about. Uh, And also if you click on the link in my bio, you'll see some of those programming options. So that's where, that's where I do 99% of the stuff.
0: Dope. And if there is one thing that you would leave a guest with an actionable thing that they can take to apply to their life, whether it's to start taking on and improving their movement journey, or if it is something around cold, hot, or book or anything, even that we haven't even talked about, what is one thing you would leave somebody with to go and apply to their life to improve their, their human experience?
1: Um, I guess to kind of touch on all of those, I'd say just prioritize your time better. Like a lot of people think they don't have time for those, some of those things. And it's, I bet you do. You just probably don't prioritize time well. So if you're wanting to get more mobile, if you're wanting to start to mess around with ice baths, if you want to spend more time reading, just start prioritizing your time better. And once you Hmm. instill those habits in you, you're, you you got them for life. So that's what I prioritize your time better.
0: Hmm. Reminds me of the adage, uh, we don't have time, we make time, and we make time for what is important.
1: Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I've heard people say if you truly don't have time to work out, you need to quit your job.
0: (laughs) You're getting a different one at the very least because you just need time for you. Come on. Beautiful. Well, you guys heard it here first. Don't forget to make time for the stuff that you love. Uh, John, it's been an absolute pleasure playing with you. Thank you for uh, for going down all the rabbit holes with me. Uh, I'm excited to to share this and, and to have people get eyes on it. So thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed it as well.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And to you listening, thank you so much for taking the time out of your life to continue finding, following, and living your truth and following the wolf within you. So much love to you. And yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Hello! Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe and share this with your people. Big love, fam.